I'm Alex Stone, former military service member and law enforcement officer, now CEO of Echelon Protected Services, one of the fastest growing private security firms on the West Coast. And this is Ride Along. where our guests and I witness firsthand the issues affecting our community. I believe our proven method of enacting meaningful change through compassion and understanding is the best way to make our streets a safer place and truly achieve security through community. I'm Billy Dunstan. I'm a veteran screenwriter and actor. And I'm here with the Ride Along podcast to talk about veterans' issues and how to help veterans outside the box. Hey, Alex Stone here. Welcome back to the Ride Along podcast. Today's guest is Billy Dunstan. He's a veteran. He's doing veteran outreach. He really cares. He's actually kind of here to, you know, talk to me and see what we're doing with the ride along. Um, he's a friend of a friend. I'm really excited to have him. Billy, why don't you tell everybody who you are and kind of what you're doing in the world? Uh, so Billy Dunstan, uh, former Army Ranger. Um, right now I'm working in the film and entertainment right now. I uh, just got back from uh, the WGA uh, Writers Guild Veterans Project. Nice. Um, really great project. That's excellent, um, man. Wow. If you are anybody that's even remotely uh, interested in writing, um, definitely give them a look. Um, and then from there, uh, I would say really anything in the film. So um, writing, directing, um, that's been my uh, focus, um, and acting as well. Fantastic. And it, it, your approach... You're really you knew you, you didn't just leave the military behind. No, you're bringing it with you into screenwriting and into the film production industry. Isn't that right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, at first, I think it was one of those things where I tried to distance myself. Um, was this during your transition? Maybe. Yes. Okay. Okay. So there's there's kind of two. I, I feel like there's two schools yeah. to when you transition. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is going to be a big conversation. <laughs> yeah. It's your whole personality. Yeah. And this is all you do. And it's hard to leave that. Yeah. Or you try to like, oh, uh, I, you try to distance yourself from as much yeah. as possible. And I think that's where a lot of guys struggle is trying to like, the, but there also is that middle ground of like, yes, I'm, I'm proud of my service, but it yeah. doesn't hold me back, but I'm not using it as the like, uh, what do you call it? Like the, when you're in high school, like the, the high school football, coach, yeah, you know, right. things like that. Yeah. So, and <clears throat> If you think about it psychologically, it makes a lot of sense because, you know, a lot of these young men and women, they're entering into the military out of at still those formative years. Yeah. If you're doing early entry, possibly 17 years old, right? Not even really an adult. Um, most of us, we went in, I went in later, but most people go in 18, 19 years old. And your brain, you know, that the, they say the part of the brain that thinks long-term isn't fully developed until you're 25, <laughs> right? And so, yeah, it makes sense that your entire identity, or at least a large portion of the ego and self, is going to be um, completely and per per pervasively, and often in a good way, mm -hmm. but it's going to be completely protected and surrounded by, I'm a soldier, 
I'm a Marine, right? I'm a sailor. I'm a SEAL, right? These things. I'm a Coast Guardsman. We don't forget about you. I'm an Airman, right? Space Force. Yeah, Space <laughs> yeah, Force now. And all of you uh, space astronauts out there. So you, you're going in. You're getting people telling you, don't do this. Don't do that. What's wrong with you, right? Mm -hmm. And so you want to conform. And during that that the, the, that conforming stage, you're you're still building your identity as an adult, mm -hmm. right? And so, you know, after your first or second deployment, maybe you do four to six years. Maybe you get one deployment in, right? That's who you are. And how are, how am I going to leave this? Who am I going to be if I leave, right? I'm going to lose my brotherhood. I'm going to lose my sisterhood, right? Mm -hmm. And so for you, how were you going through those, that, um, that emotional, like that emotional process of self-differentiation, trying to re-identify yourself, like how much of it could you take with you and how much of it did you have to go? Okay. Wow. I'm walking around right now. I don't have my rifle with me. This feels weird. Right? Like kind of, kind of like unpack that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, for me, it was one of those things moving back home. Um, where I didn't have a lot of those military friends that helped. Um, and then mm. is this uh, home for you? No, no. Um, oh. Maryland. So, oh, wow. Yeah. I moved okay. out here for, uh, cause I was stationed up at two seven five. Okay. And yeah. Oregon is just like the Pacific Northwest. You can't beat it in it's terms of like, uh, it, being able to is. live in a city, it but is. then like I have friends that live 30 minutes away from here yeah. that have farms and yeah. full farms, pigs, cows, everything mm. that, that's, that doesn't exist anywhere else. Yeah. And 275, that, that was your Ranger Battalion. Yes. Okay. Just for those who, are, who don't. Yeah. <laughs> I always yeah, say yeah, that yeah, when yeah. I say 275, I yes. Uh, second Ranger Battalion, uh, yeah. 75th Ranger Regiment. Yeah. yeah. But um, so, yeah, um, getting out and then looking at it, you know, broad picture, like what, what do civilians have that's yeah. kind of the same, which um, they, go, they go to college. And you go yeah. to college, and yeah. that's like where people's like, oh, man, that's their self-worth but and they and they carry that on yeah you know I, there's people who've been out of college for 30 years they, they only did four years in their college yeah. but and had just have a bachelor's but that's still part of them right yeah it's like well how do you in the military like how do we separate that we, but we almost like lock on to it harder i think than, we do. yeah i think so yeah. i think you're right yeah so kind of then going from the military going into uh, college um getting to see both sides of that I'm like, oh, like it's not just this is something I do to get me to the next level. It's not who I am. And I think that's really what. Yeah, it's just it's, it's just uh, WLC. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> times two. Yeah, it's your warrior leadership class, right? Which is required to get your your uh, promotion. You're just taking. You're going to classes because you know you're going to get that self promotion in your real real world in your real life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And so for you, that transition you think was relatively easy. I mean, but you're a talented guy. Obviously, try to be right. You got a lot of things going on. Obviously, you're really you're intelligent. Um, I know a lot of for a lot of people, you know, even in my employees, that transition is not that easy. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that a, a lot of people who are in the military, they didn't have a brotherhood. Like I was really popular in high school, and I'm sure you were probably an athlete as well, yeah. right? And yeah, he was. <laughs> and so. You know, when they get the, when the, that first time you get community mm. in the military, it's, there's nothing like it and to never have it and then to have it and have it taken away. Yeah. Um, it's very hard. And I think this is a, a lot of reasons why a lot of veterans end up on that, um, self injury track, right? They, 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 
they feel like they've not only lost themselves and their identity, but they lost their community at the same time. Mm-hmm. And that double loss, um, and just, just I, I know that the crowd knows my background, but I, was, I worked in the chaplain corps in the army, and so I, I dealt with suicide. And that double loss of self and community at the same time with the lack of resources um, for you know veterans associations to come alongside mm-hmm. and to bridge that development until they're secure in, in their new surroundings, yeah. it, it can become a black hole and people can fall in there and get stuck, right? And so who do you, I mean, I think I transitioned well. I think that you, well, actually that's not true. I was homeless in my van for two years, but I think that you probably transitioned well, right? And so how... How, I know that what you're doing now is about helping people transition. What are you doing and how, how is your filmmaking shining light on that process and helping people understand that? Um, so kind of go back uh, a little bit. Uh, it wasn't the easiest transition. I mean, I think I did the thing where like I drank too much and that wow. caused me opportunities. Yeah. Um, but finding purpose and then finding something that was more important than the drinking, mm-hmm. more important than at the time, um, when I met my uh, girlfriend then, now wife, um, I was doing bodybuilding. And it was something where, you know, you couldn't, if you wanted to be a good bodybuilder, you couldn't yeah. drink. And that you was can't. something, yeah. th- that was just something that gave me more purpose. That's great. Um, wow. And then um, I had always kind of been dabbling in art. And uh, when I say art, I say I used to be able to draw. Well, mm. I still can draw. Uh, yeah. Drawing and, but um, writing was never really a thing. I mean, I was good at English in terms of like uh, really? grades. I, I, wow. I, was, I would score high. Um, but, but you didn't, your creative nature didn't kind of steer you towards writing. No. Oh, wow. No. Okay. Um, and it's one of those things where, um, you know, someone's like, hey, you're good at that. I'm like, I, I, I didn't know. I just would, would yeah. do it. And then, you know, you do, do more and it kind of just snowballs from there. Um, in terms of like what I do for helping veterans, mm. um, I think art has been missing that's one like that's a key piece where you you jump into a military and you know it's be physically active you know shoot guns kick down yeah. doors and it, it doesn't matter like you know you're a chaplain um, but there's still a rigid structure and it's very rigid falls, yeah art falls to the wayside you have to so conform whether, everyone's wearing the same uniform exactly the, the same way <laughs> everyone's eating the same meals yep. in the same fashion mm-hmm. So, you know, sidestep, sidestep, right? Like, so yeah, it is, it, it kind of attacks creativity in a sense, right? That is, I'm, it kind of sounds like what you're saying. Yes, it does. Yeah. And uh, with that, it's one of those things where you, you find guys and you're like, oh man, I didn't know this guy could play guitar or I didn't know this guy like painted yeah. this like beautiful mural. Yeah. And because you had guys that, oh man, we, we need something for, for the platoon. You need to yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. then one guy by himself is just yeah. like painting this beautiful mural. Yeah. Like, bro, this is like the, the guy who's like smashing his fingers when he bangs two rocks together. Yeah. But he's an amazing artist. And That's like, hilarious. But it, it it's, just it's doesn't. So true, yeah, yeah. It, like, the military doesn't foster art. No. And I think no. when you get out, like you, you're, you're craving that, you know? Mm-hmm. So what I try to do is um, through filmmaking, because filmmaking is a very mm-hmm. collaborative yeah. process. Um, everyone from, you know, art, hair and makeup, um, it, camera crew, gaffing, all those things yeah. have to come together and have to come together in a way that, you know, makes it make something that's we consider passable or like to be beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're doing that. Um, you know, we didn't really talk about this, uh, but cause I wanted to save it for the interview, but I watched your film mm-hmm. that you made about suicide 
and it 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 affected me deeply and it it was hard to watch Mm -hmm. because having been that person in a unit where people go to when they're suicidal um it's hard to watch that and know that there are still veterans out there suffering Mm -hmm. from that so why why are you choosing to stay in that that veteran space are, are, are there people out there that you want to help? Are there people out there that you wish you, you maybe you didn't help? Like, obviously, there's something so deep about this that you're staying in this space mm-hmm. and you're offering a bridge, right? What, what, what is the intent behind all that? What, specifically that video, right? Your film, your short film. Uh, I would say one of the things, as kind of paying back into the system the way I see it. Is that there was always there was someone to help me, yeah. And I want to help the next guy, so he can help the next you know girl or guy, yeah. Just because that's the way it has to be, and not mm. not to say there's like this um, hard line of civilians and you know uh, veterans, but it's one of those things where you have to reach out to your community. Like that's yeah. no one's successful alone, and to isolate yourself from civilians, to isolate yourself from other veterans is really damning. And so if I can help people mm-hmm. do what I'm doing now, what I think I'm best at, then I want to be able to do that. And everybody likes being in movies. I mean, like, yeah. I, I can just tell people, you know, I'm an actor and like, oh, man, what have you been in? They're like, oh, man, they, they start to talk to me about yeah. movies because everybody has their favorite movie. Yeah. Everybody has their favorite TV show. I mean, it's, a, it's so yeah. American. It is. It's so, like the perfect buy-in conversation, right? When you're connecting with someone to talk about that. That's so true. Yeah. Yeah. So like being able to share like a little bit of that magic, like, hey man, mm-hmm. like, do you want to come here and yeah, I don't know, learn about lighting, you know, yeah. uh, you know, if maybe you sew mm-hmm. and like, can you make me a costume, a really cool costume? This is what I'm thinking about. Or you know, even just like drawing up sketches for something. Um, I have a buddy mm-hmm. who, um, really good woodworker. I mean, dude's phenomenal. Like when the, everyone picked up a hobby or a skill um, during a pandemic, and his was woodworking. Oh wow! Um, he yeah. actually made all of their. Um, he has a really great furniture set now in his bedroom. Mm-hmm. All the furniture he made by himself. That's awesome. And yeah. uh, he's like, man, I don't know anything about like film. I'm like, bro, but you can make sets. Like that's that's your yeah. contribution. Like something that doesn't exist right now in the world, mm-hmm. you can build and we can film it and it'll exist in this movie. I love that. Yeah, and that's to me, that's amazing. It is amazing. In fact, as you're talking, I'm seeing my brother, um, the fallen seal Seth Stone. He actually made this table. Oh, yeah. This table was um, wood, really d- decades old wood. Hanging, it was just down there at Warcom, and so he asked Skipper one day, "Hey, uh, I want to make a table. Can I have all this wood to make a table?" And so my brother was super creative. He played mm-hmm. classically trained guitarist. Mm-hmm. Um, he also painted. He sketched, and and he did a lot of woodworking. And and so it's funny how how that that creative process I think made him a better seal a better soldier right and and it is kind of interesting that the military does kind of take that away sometimes even though i think that in the long term if that's fostered a little bit more you, you can't go out you can't you don't want to call it outside the lines in the military <laughs> right <clears throat> but if you, they can get to color but not outside the lines yeah right maybe that maybe that would actually be a good formative um a process to help people deal maybe a little bit better in the military mm-hmm. at least emotionally maybe they can get some of that emotional creativity energy out 
mm-hmm. right? And so, well, I love what you're doing. I, I think that's great. Um, I'm also interested. I, I know that you you're you do jujitsu, yes. right? You're bodybuilding. You're a model. Yeah. You and you also act, and now you're doing this screenwriter. Yeah. And so you're an extremely busy guy. We we've been we have friends that are friends for years, and there were several times when I think there was a UFC fight, but you weren't there and I was there. And so there's always like, I've been always trying to meet you. Um, something I'm interested about is how, how did you decide to transition from acting to screenwriting? Right? So you're, you're acting obviously mm-hmm. and kind of explain how you got into that, but then t- tell me how you decided to jump into actually screenwriting. Uh, so there's kind of like two stories to that. Okay. And uh, the first one is, like everyone says, you, you have to make your own opportunities. So if you're not getting the role or you're not seeing the story that you want to be told, then yeah. tell it yourself. And then through community, whether that's, you know, going out there into the, the, the film community, the, the broader film community, especially here in Portland, or if I want to, you know, reach out to my veteran contacts and be like, hey, man, like, you know, um, I have a buddy who's going to the um, uh, LA Film Academy and he's going for a nice. film. Yeah, so yeah, talk, great. talk to him. Wow. Get a little bit of, you know, like what does he... Um, put into his film. It was, mm-hmm. you know, just again, community. Um, so that was the, the first thing is I wanted to tell the stories that I wanted to tell. Uh, the second part of it is just me personally, like, I try not to, like, uh, and how are you cussing, but we're good? Yeah, we can okay, cuss. Okay. Yeah. I just want to make sure. Yeah, uh, but I try not to talk shit on anyone's work unless I've done something comparable. Oh, wow. So I was like, I'm not, yeah. you know, if, 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 I can't be like, yeah. oh, man, this, screen, this screenplay is garbage. Or like, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not going to do that if I haven't been there myself. Yeah, yeah. So eventually I started doing that. So like, oh, man, you know, I can tell you I've been there. This yeah. isn't very good. Or like, yeah, this, yeah, is, yeah. this is great. And I, I can say that because I've been there. Yeah. And so when you're writing the screenplay um, and you're choosing your characters, do you ever, I'm always curious, it's my own curiosity. Do you think of other people that you know and you write those characters into? I mean, because de- character development, I would imagine that's really difficult. You, there's got to be people that you're like, oh, that guy was kind of a funny guy. I should write that in, you know, into a into a screenplay, right? Is this is this a normal thing? Yes. Just, okay, that's what I assumed. Yeah, uh, it is, and like it's it's always evolving. Yeah. Um. So the way I did things when I first started writing is different mm-hmm. than a year in. Um, and that's just through, you know, going to seminars, stuff like that. And then the biggest one um, I just went to was um, uh, with the, the Writers Guild Foundation, um, the Veterans Writing Project. Amazing. And yeah. where, where is that? So that was in L.A. Wow. Um, and then who, so, host, who hosted that? The Writers Guild. Okay. Yeah. So you have the Screen Actors Guild and then you have the, like the Screen Writers Guild. Yes. So these are unions, yeah. guilds, right? And so you're a member of this guild. So I'm not, I'm going to fellowship to the, the Writers Guild. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so is that the beginning process of joining the guild of, of the fellow, a fellowship? Yes. So is that a mentorship process? Yes. So this is, this is actually ongoing. This, yeah. This is, a, this is, you can't just jump in there. No, no. Uh, this, so at the, this is every year they do it and, Wow. Um, I think the only once a year, once a year, wow. it's anywhere between 50 to 60 veterans, um, get accepted. Um, from, really? Yeah. From all over. Wow. And, uh, again, this is one of those things where you have, you can have almost, uh, no formal training. Like I've, a lot of the other people that were in my group, like I was like, oh man, like this is crazy. Cause they had been to school for a lot of these things. It'd be yeah. like master's degrees. And, um, I was the only one who did, didn't. That's amazing. But, you know, I was still chosen because um, this is actually my second year, 
And one of the things they want to see is that they want to see that there's um, just progress. So because yep, yep, yep. they, they can't teach you what they're going to do. They can't teach you screenwriting in a year. There's like no you can't, way. You can't go from yeah. ground one. But like, yeah. you know, have you been going to classes? Um, have you been working on anything else in yeah. between that Have time? you produced anything? Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So all those things help. Um, so my, I know dudes that three years, you know, four years they've applied, but that shows that they want to come back and that this is some, not something that like, oh man, someone told me about it and it sounded kind of cool and then I didn't. They try to weed those people out. Yeah. Wow. So, and while you're doing all this, you're building your career, mm-hmm. you're doing your male modeling, right? <laughs> That's great. I love that. It's modeling in general. But yeah. I mean, you're doing your, well, it's not like you're doing hand modeling, right? You have legit contracts with legit. Yes. Yeah. I mean, people that have, you're like re- doing real retail modeling. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. And I think we all kind of want to be Tyrese, right? <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. Um, and so, so you're, you're, you're got all these progress, but you're still not leaving the veterans behind, right? You're still working alongside other veteran, veteran groups. Mm-hmm. Can you kind of explain what you're doing there? And, uh, cause I think people would be interested in knowing, cause a lot of people, they don't know how to help veterans. A lot of people who aren't veterans, they don't know what to say and what to do. So kind of tell us what you're doing in that space and how people can get involved. Um, so I'm always going to sing the praises of uh, veterans and entertainment and media. Um, they are, and that's an organization. Yes. Okay. Wow. Um, veterans of entertainment and media. Veterans in the entertainment and media. So V I uh, V M E V M E. Okay, yeah. cool. I never heard of that. That's amazing. I, wow. I think they've only been around for maybe 15 years. Wow. So relatively okay. new. Yeah. 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 Um, and I think the best way to describe it is kind of like a LinkedIn but for veterans that want to do anything in media. So you can I be, love it. I love um, this. Wow. Any, anything from uh, hair and makeup, like, like this, or, yeah. you know, to directors, um, they, they're in there and they're, they're trying to pay it back. And one of the cool things about this is that um, when you, when you join, they'll ask you, do you want to be a mentor? So you can actually jump on. And wow. if there's any experience that you have that you can, you know, talk to people, mm-hmm. and they'll put you in their Rolodex and like someone can contact you and like, Hey, I have a, um, an issue with this or a problem with this or, yeah. Um, whatever it is, you can just help them that, or, you know, if you, if you're one of those people that you can put down there for like professional or just, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for casual and like, Hey, you know, I think you're because of reading your story, um, you're, you know, a cool guy, cool girl, whatever. And I'd like to get to know more about you. And that's one a, of the things that's amazing. It's, it's again, it's building community, yeah. but it's in a, a focus of like, man, before, like, cause the, in the entertainment industry is really hard to get into. Um, but having that entry like oh man there's people like me that want to tell similar stories like me like yeah, it's a really yeah. good way to like not feel alone do you feel that the that media do you feel that they they depict veterans accurately cuz i watch every veterans movie i watch mm-hmm. every movie i just watched um the covenant which is new mm-hmm. it just came out on a scale from 1 to 10 i think i i'm at like maybe a 4 or 5 mm-hmm. I think they try to portray it accurately, but I think that too often they're trying to portray the military industrial complex, but they put it on the back of the veteran. So the thing about that is that like, in order to make, make like a, an emotional connection to a story, you need to have like a main character that really has an arc. Otherwise we're just kind of yeah. like watching someone like, okay, for example, like if someone's like, oh man, I went to the grocery store today and then I picked up bananas and I paid for them and came home. What Nothing I care happened. about that story. Nothing yeah. happened. Yeah. And so where's the conflict? Yeah. And that's kind of like where I think sometimes um, 
Hollywood does cheap out with like, oh man, veteran or PTSD. Yeah, always. Because the other side of that is like, well, the veteran came home and he had his wife and two kids. They Very well adjusted. They, they and well, they lived happily yeah, ever after. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Credits. And then they're like, well, that, what was the point of that? Yeah, so yeah. like, I think those movies could exist, but like, would you see them like on the Hallmark okay. channel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where like everything was just great for them and nothing ever happened. So like, yeah. uh, that's kind of like, a, it's a weird thing because you have to have some type of conflict. Cause so it's the, it's the nature of needing a narrative itself. Yes. Like you can't have a fictional book with narratives and character development that's interesting unless you make it interesting. And and so they're they're it's kind of like being typecasted. Yeah. As a veteran, right? So and you know what that actually makes sense because that this is probably true of law enforcement in movies. Mm-hmm. This is probably very true of the criminal in a movie. They're always very like the criminal always has a British accent, right? I mean, right? So there is okay, so it's just general typecasting. Mm-hmm. It's you don't think it's intentional? Um, not really. And okay, then, oh, that's like, interesting. Wow. It's, it's and also, there's, there's a lot of great veterans movies out there. Yes. We, we were soldiers. I think Covenant was great. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, I don't want to keep going on and on and on, but, you know, 13 Hours <laughs> <laughs> and Benghazi, fantastic movie, right? Um, and I, we could go on and on, but um, that's, I'm, really, I'm actually really glad to hear you say that because I've always wondered that and I didn't know who to ask. And I just realized right now that you're in the room, so I should ask you. Well, so. I also yeah. consider like this to be, you know, part of media. So being able to oh, okay. wow. go out and like talk to people like, yes, like there are people out there that are doing things for veterans that maybe aren't um, like the typical channels. So like yeah. what you do. Yeah, thanks, man. I, I, we're trying. Yeah. You know, as you know, in our, in, in our industry, uh, public safety, mm-hmm. um, a, a lot of veterans, when they do transition, they're transitioning into law enforcement, mm-hmm. into security work, right? And so when a lot of people are in the military and they make that transition out of the military, I think that they're, they're wanting to find that brotherhood mm-hmm. or, or that sisterhood, right? They're looking for that fraternal order. And I think that for a lot of them, they look at law enforcement, the thin blue line, mm-hmm. right? Or they, they look at, well, even EMTs, firefighters, right? They're looking for something that has, where you still get that adrenaline dump, mm-hmm. Right, you're so you're you're getting your adrenaline fix. You're still able to do things that are dangerous but acceptable and legal, legal, ethical, moral, but dangerous, right? And and you're still able to operate in a space that allows you to protect and to help people. Mm. Because I think a lot of a lot of us join the military for that reason. Yeah. Right. And so that transition, I think, is it just happens so much. It's so many veterans. And I think that's the reason. And so at our company, we, we purposely, we embrace two things. Number part of our core values is family and team, Mm -hmm. right? Family is important because we want people to be a part of that fraternal brotherly order. Right. And in a family, you're always going to be accepted. Even when you fuck up, you'll be accepted. Right. Cause that's what family is supposed to be about. Right. But we're also a team. And a team, unlike a family, sets expectations. Yeah. And when you fuck up, you, that doesn't, you're always going to be family, but that doesn't mean you always make the team. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. But maybe you can be ancillary around the team, and you can still serve in a capacity that is team, that can still build team and help team. Okay. And maybe you get back on the team, 
right? And so these are kind of concepts that when we started our company, that, that we wanted to be very intentional, not just because we wanted to help veterans, but because we think that's the right way to, to operate as a company, right? And, I, and I'll say it this way. I think the military gets that right. I think family and team, those are two things that the military, unless you're in a toxic unit, which can happen, I think the military does those really well. Mm -hmm. Not perfect, but very well, right? We wanted to emulate that. And so, and then, you know, on, on the flip side of that, not only are a lot of people in this industry veterans, but in public safety, you're always going to be in contact with veterans in public, right? There, a lot of veterans are houseless, right? There's a, there's a higher level of proportionality that being a veteran will lead to houselessness at one point. And, and we work with a lot of, a lot of folks on the streets that are veterans. And I myself, I was homeless as a child uh, with my mother uh, when I was younger. And then that ended up with my brother and sister. We were separated and ended up in different foster cares. My brother was adopted. Mm. And, um, and then as an adult, I actually was homeless here at the McDonald's on Eon Avenue. I lived in my van for two years down there, right, after I transitioned out of the military and law enforcement, right? And so, and so... I, I think that, and I think a lot of reason, and I could, there's probably 20 veterans I could talk to you about this, but you're here, so I'm going to talk to you about it. But I think a lot of reasons, and, and I've been told this by probably four or five veterans, mm -hmm. I think a lot, of, the, a lot of reasoning behind veterans being homeless is it's just another FTX, man. It's just a, it's just a deployment. Yeah. Like, okay, I'm going to be in the shit for six months. Or I got to live out of my car for a year. I got to wash my balls in a sink in a bathroom for a year. That's okay. It's just an FTX. Like mentally, the, the military has prepared you mm -hmm. to be mentally tough enough to be homeless. Yeah. And I know that's, that's my, for people who aren't in the military, that might sound kind of crazy, but I, that's the thing because I've had veterans tell me that. I've literally had a veteran tell me just in the past two weeks. And this person's essentially living in their vehicle. And I was like, hey, man, so we can come in. I got an extra room. We got a guest room at the house. I know you. I trust you. I know, you're, I know your people. Your people are my people. Come and live in my house. And the guy was like, hey, bro, this is just an FTX, man. I'll be on my feet in a couple of months. And I'm like, so you, you're just sucking all this up and taking in this training? <laughs> like, this is, this is just a training evolution for you? And he's like, yeah, mentally, that's where I'm at. Because I know that I know I have what it takes to get through that. Yeah. Right. But what happens is I think a lot of veterans are prepared for that. But but what happens is because being homeless actually causes PTSD. Right. Is that you enter in if you as you as you prolong and stay longer in homelessness mm -hmm. or you're unhoused. Right. Yeah. You're developing PTSD, not around the veteran stuff, but around being homeless. And then those are triggers for issues that you deal with because of possibly things you happen to you on deployment or things in the military and these, this nature. And it becomes, it, it becomes almost overwhelming yeah. at a point. And then they get stuck, and then they're just unhoused. They're just homeless. Mm -hmm. And they're, it's no longer an FTX. It's just that's my reality, okay. and now I'm stuck here. Yeah. And, and that's, but that might be a, a gradual process flow for a lot, but I don't know. I'm talking a lot and I should be letting you talk. But so when we meet these folks, we do try to help them. 
asking you, I mean, coming from your point of view, you're a veteran. When we, when my team members, when we, when we touch people on the, on the streets and we get to know them, we make that connection. How should we be approaching people? How do we talk to people that have been in the military, possibly dealing, struggling with stuff? What's the best way to approach that person? My, my thing has always been trying to give someone a purpose. Um, mm. So make them feel like they're part of, like we're talking about, like they're part of the team again. Mm -hmm. um, kind of going back to what you were talking about in terms of um, making it feel like we're a team and we're a family. And someone's like, oh man, we're on an FTX. I think to sometimes we get too caught up in, and I've even talked to people about the VA about this too. We're like, yeah. you know, oh man, you know, I'm broken, but I don't want to take money away from the Vietnam vet. Another who, soldier. Yeah, and it's like, well, one, oh, well, that's not the way that very works. Very common. One, that's, that's not the way that works. So I think a lot of people say like, oh man, you know, I have my mental health issues and I'm broken or, mm -hmm. you know, I'm hurt or I'm X, Y, Z, but I don't want to bother my friend or my yeah. friends because they have their own problems. Yeah. And it becomes a circle of like spiral because I, I, don't, I don't want to bother you because I, I'm tough. I can handle it. So I don't yeah. want to bother you. And you're like, well, I don't yeah. want to bother him because, you know, he has his own stuff where, you know, he is maybe going through divorce. Like, but like, instead of just talking about it, yeah, you know, something like we are now, but mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. we feel like that I can handle it and you can only handle it until it, that damn breaks. And then, like you said, like that's when you're, you're stuck there. You can't get out there yeah. at that point because you've lost, you wake up one day and you realize, I guess maybe you don't even realize it, but there's a point at which you enter into a place where you lack uh, the amount of self-worth and self-agency required to know how to make a change in your own life. Yeah. Like I think most veterans were trained to know how to make decisions how to make them fast and how to implement, uh, how to create a strategy and tactics around it and to get it done and make it happen. Right. And then something happens to where because of lack of self care, mm -hmm. maybe they're over inflated sense of strength. I can just take it. I can just take it. Right. And their lack of self care leads to that point to where they no longer have agency. They no longer even believe they have a choice. Right. And the way I talk about it is <clears throat> when I meet homeless people on the streets and I talk to homeless people every day, it's like they think that getting into a shelter or getting into housing for mm -hmm. them, that's like a golden ticket. That's like winning the lottery for them. For them, that's like one in 550 million. Yeah. Oh yeah, sure. Okay. I can get into housing. Okay. And they don't, it's not even something they can believe in. Mm -hmm. And the reality of the situation is if they could work with someone on the street level for mm -hmm. just three to five days, that that's a reality. Get you into housing, get you help, get you into detox. It just takes coordination and a team to make those efforts happen for yeah. that person. But because that team's not there and because they don't have family, no one's really caring about them the way they should. Mm -hmm. The people that are around them are using them, getting them enslaved onto drugs so that the drug dealer can make money, pimping them out for money so that they can make money, right? They're a tool, they're not a person. And they, they just, their self-worth worth completely collapses. Mm -hmm. Not exactly a career day, but like no one ever told me like, hey man, like, you know, I, I think I started this, I was like almost 30. Yeah. When I started, like no yeah. one's like, hey man, you know, if you want to be an actor or a screenwriter, like no one's stopping you. No one, no one, you know, there's yeah. no, you know, maybe if, if you want to get into the guild, yeah. But like to just be 
a dude being yeah. an actor. I yeah, mean, yeah, we got yeah. cameras and we got. Yeah. You, I got a computer. I can bang it out. I can look at YouTube formats. That's like, crazy. No one ever told me. Yeah, that. yeah, right. Yeah, right. So like, being able to like, hey man, like I, if you, if that's something you've ever been interested in, let me know. Yeah, and I'll, I'll put you on the right people because that was the thing awesome. where, when I started, I just started. I didn't really know like who were the right people. I talked to a lot of the wrong people. I mean, I've been on projects where like, wasn't paid, no food, no nothing, like horrible working conditions dude was wow. a dick and then the footage is nowhere and it's just like well i learned that the hard way and there are a lot of people learned it the hard way but like now i'm be like hey like that's not okay don't work with them if they don't treat you right or yeah, like yeah. just having someone to talk to a mentor and, yeah exactly a mentor yeah um where you have those things where you can just push them in the right direction awesome i would love to have like that type of event and then have him be able to come talk at that that'd be awesome well i'm just really impressed at just what you've achieved so far in your life. I mean, you know, I think that you probably got into this when you're around 30 years old, yeah. right? So where do you see yourself in the future and what are your future plans? What do you have going on? Uh, so big picture. Big picture. I would open up a production studio and yeah. hire all my friends and veterans and can, we'd make a bunch can, of, yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> We're definitely coming along. I love it. Um, so that's big picture. But uh, right now, I would say in the next year, yeah. um, I have a, movie coming out um it's broken up into short films um but it'll be a feature it's called betrayal and bullets under my um, betrayal and bullets yes wow this and sounds great and it's under my production company breakfast Steak media okay um, the first uh film short is going to be coming out here soon and my goal is to hire as many veterans i can onto uh wow. the cast and crew i love um, it yeah and i've been able to actually have a couple on now um mm -hmm. they've loving it and being able to like say hey this is how things are and if there's anything I can support you on, if that's something that, you know, you get to learn here, but you have your own projects and your yeah. own stories to tell, um, you have a network of people to now draw from. Okay, so what, if there's any veterans watching that are interested in this kind of mentorship group, um, you're, what you're doing in the future, this whole screenwriters guild, yes, right? And the veterans entertainment and media Yes, the veterans and entertainment and media. Yeah. It's like that's that's big time though. Those, that's, two, yeah, those two things yeah. are big time. I know, small baby steps, <laughs> <laughs> baby steps. Um, if anyone's interested in, 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 in they want to get in contact with you, how would they do that? What's the best way for someone who's serious about this, who who's thought, you know, I, I really do want to go into acting, or I do, I would really love to be in media. Who would they contact if not you or you? What's the best way to get a hold of you, and how can they see? kind of how can they follow you to know what's going on in your future um so again social media is the easy way to contact me and that's just if you are looking to be someone in entertainment you're gonna have to do social media yeah I, i've actually yeah. met a lot of veterans that are like oh man i'm not i don't want to do the social media thing but they want to be always in, in media always and it's like come on man that how do you want to be in media but you don't like media yeah but um yeah so it, it's just a weird like dichotomy of that yeah and, yeah, um, yeah. But uh, LinkedIn, and if you find everything, I'm Billy Dunstan there. Uh, if you look awesome. on IMDb, I'm Billy Dunstan there. And then on D-U-N-S-T-O-N. Yes. Okay, great. And then uh, same thing on um, Instagram. I'm pretty, uh, that's where you can see a lot of my work too, as well as on YouTube. You can see my work there. Awesome. Okay, YouTube. So typically at this point, we would break and actually go on a ride along. We would go out and find an echelon officer, find someone uh, doing work, and we would ride along with them this would give you the opportunity to connect with them, find out what we do. But I, I think that what I would like to do is maybe hold that 
for a future time. Okay. Have you come back and do something really awesome with the veterans that work at Echelon? And I think maybe now we go hit a, maybe like one spot and continue this conversation outside. What do you think about that? Sounds good. All right, let's hit it. And then it melted, and we actually filmed like that little window. Like we got lucky because yeah, like, yeah, it, yeah. like, it was just enough for to be on the ground to actually like, look yeah, fucking really yeah. cool. Billy, typically when we do the ride along, mm -hmm. we go out and we'll uh, connect with some team members and kind of follow them around. But I really feel like that we should save. I just seem like a really special guy, and with what you're doing with veterans, I think that I'd like to really highlight the veterans in my company and have you come back. All right. But I yeah. did want to hit. I did want to go outside and just kind of show you this space. Right. Uh, there's always a call out here, right? We've got a cop car coming up behind us. This fountain actually is very famous, or infamous, right? They're very often homeless people use it. So if you need a free shower, you'll see homeless people completely naked in here dancing around. It's it's not a pagan ritual, bro. They're just <laughs> hot and maybe. They need to watch themselves. I mean, I've been down here. I've lived here since 2015, so yeah. I've definitely seen. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seen the changes, but. Uh, yeah, they, we have Fleet Week down here for yeah. the Navy. And um, it's really special, but I actually haven't been coming because it's been so tough, you know, with having little kids and wanting to come. It's not really conducive. Well, how have you seen the changes since you started doing this? Um, since my company, yes, you know when we when we rolled into Old Town, which is this section of downtown over in this area, mm -hmm. um, maybe like 80, 90 blocks, there were four, more than 450 tents in Old Town, which is roughly like maybe 700 homeless people. Yeah, and there's 4,500 chronically homeless people in Portland. So Old Town, this tiny little neighborhood, was housing. 18% of Portland's entire homeless population. Wow. <laughs> a little, right? Yeah, it's crazy. Lance New Chinese Garden, which is one square block, right? There were 27 tents just around Lance New Chinese Garden. On the east side of the block, there was a criminal organization. And on the west side of, or the, yeah, the west side of the block, a separate criminal organization. Prison gang running this side. Okay. And then another gang running this side. And I mean, you, you go there now, there's no one there. And out of the 27 tents, there were occupants, about five people in four tents. We got them into shelters. Awesome, yeah. Yeah, it really, it really is. We have about a 15% success rate. And um, I mean, we're doing this every day. We, last, last month, we got 112 people into shelter alone. And it would have been more, but we, have, we don't have direct access to shelter beds. Mm -hmm. We basically had to beg. Always a call here, right? Always call. Probably the same one. Yeah. yeah. Definitely seen a difference. Just, just coming from like, I don't know if it's like a seasonal thing too, but uh, just, just seeing more people out. More, yeah. pe more people just enjoying the community and then exactly. less tents. So. Yeah. yeah, so we've been, we've been, we work with the city and the county. We work with everyone we possibly can to help people shelter. But at the end of the day, what stops criminal 
elements from going into areas and taking over and setting up shop, right? Because for them, for anything in business, location, 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 right? Mm -hmm. They want a place that people can blend in so it's not just one car selling dope. Yeah. You can blend in a little bit. So you need some people. You can't be completely scarce, right? You also need the, the ability to get away. So multiple points of egress for the criminal. Mm -hmm. And then for the people accessing, you need multiple points of access. Specifically, you want people that can ride in a highway, drop in, and then bounce real quick and get back on the highway. Yeah, well. Exactly. Yeah, right there. Right there, right? Yeah. And so these areas are prime for that. And, and so when it, essentially the one thing that will stop a criminal element from coming in in a park like this and setting up shop is being able to have a high level of community engagement, which is really our business model as a company. When you can increase the level of engagement from individuals and groups in, in specific areas, then you will scare criminal elements away. Because at yeah. the end of the day, they're scared of eyeballs. Yeah. They're scared of witnesses. They're scared of potential victims if there's a shooting between rival gangs. Um, I was asked recently by a neighborhood association, what can we do other than security? Yeah. Right? And other than more law enforcement, because, you know, everyone thinks that they always need more law enforcement. They said, what can we do to stop the criminal element in our neighbor area? And I told them, you should hire tour guides. And they kind of laughed at me at first because they thought I was joking because I know all these people. Yeah. And they know I'm, I, I'm only serious when I'm joking. Mm -hmm. That's kind of who I am. And um, and I was like, I know that you think I'm joking, but I'm actually serious. No, it's foot traffic. Foot traffic. Yeah. And they go, seriously? I was like, yeah, you should have three to five tour guides a night. And on the weekends, even more. Historical tours, architectural tours, uh, art tours, pub crawls, whatever. It's something... Anything that will get people on the street walking together and talking and groups of 5, 10, 12, 25. I was like, if you have five groups, and let's just say this neighborhood right here, you have five or six groups walking in this area doing tours, yeah, criminals don't want to be here. They're going to drive by and they're going to tell their people, uh-oh, uh, nah, this is bad. There's like 20 people over here. Yeah, that's something that, uh, like I'm from D.C., so yeah. they actually do have a lot of night tours, but they're not just the night tours, but the lights. Yeah, DC is perfect yeah. for perfect example. Yeah. Yeah. Now the criminal elements still go to the, uh, the other neighborhoods. Yeah. Where the tours aren't occurring, but in DC where the tours are occurring, perfectly safe. Perfectly safe. Yeah. Crazy, right? Yeah. So, you know, and then part of it, part of the other part of criminal interdiction is being consistent. You know, what I tell people all the time is security isn't security unless it's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Mm -hmm. Right. And the majority of security work is perimeter work. And the perimeter is the perimeter of your actual, your property, but then you have to go two or three blocks out. Yeah. Right? And that's not a normal model in security. A normal model in security is we want you on our property at all times, and we want to know where you are, and we want you inside because we feel safe when we see you. And you're like, well, that's like, you, see, you're like, that's not right. No. I can see, you're like, that's horrible. Yeah. How are you going to see the enemy coming? Right? How are you going to see the drug dealer setting up a block away? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so we have to break that mindset. We have to be able to break that mindset and re and kind of re help them re see security as something that actually delivers results and explain we're going to do these things, but these are the results you'll see. Mm -hmm. Right? We're going to be able to find who's selling dope, and because we're several blocks out, 
we're gonna be able to contact them and say, hey man, like uh, I know who you are, right? I got your license plate, man. I don't want. Uh, look, I'm not the police. Yeah. But I've been watching you. I got a video of you selling dope, man. I think that man, if you want to really make your money, you might want to do that somewhere else. Yeah. Simple and easy. Nice little easy conversation. Right? No, and I've. I mean, that was kind of the approach. Like I've done this type of stuff, but I've yeah. done security at bars. That's one of the things. Oh, yeah, Being yeah. a veteran, you get out, you're like, well, I need some I was money about right to now. For five years. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And it was, you know. Hey, look, I'm here as a courtesy. Like, I'm. If, if the police get involved, then you're not going home. Yeah, yeah. So this is a courtesy. You, you want to go home, you want to sleep in your own bed tonight. Yeah. And I really like the, the, the approach you've taken to kind of making this, it's not just community, but making more humanitarian. Mm -hmm. it's, we call it humanitarian services. Yeah. Public safety and humanitarian services. And um, it's nation building. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, a lot of veterans get this, especially veterans that work for us. I, I tell them, you know, we spent billions of dollars. We poured our, the blood of our children out uh, on the altar of nation building. And what, what do we see for it? It's time we bring that money home and rebuild our own nation. Yeah. And as a company, we're, I take that seriously. We're trying to rebuild communities. We're trying to rebuild community to heal the community, right? Community engagement. And so, yeah, I mean, we're doing the best we can. I'm excited about having you come back and um, see us in action, see what we do, meet the veterans that are actually contacting those homeless veterans on the street. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, it's good, man. It's really good. Well, yeah, thanks again for having me out, man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I appreciate everything. Yeah, bro, always. All right, head back? Yeah, let's go. All right. Yeah. Okay, so I set up the camera yeah. and I can see him. So.